Up next will be the bi-weekly computer show, Point and Click Radio. Well, good evening, everyone. I'm Bob Lawton. And I'm Jim Hyde, and welcome to the bi-weekly computer show, Point and Click Radio, the place where we answer your computer questions and bring you the latest computer and internet news. Yes, indeed. Here we are. And Jim, you sound like you're about a foot away from me. And actually, you are on the computer monitor I'm looking at about a foot away, maybe 18 <laughs> we're, inches. We're only a couple of hundred pixels apart. <laughs> a couple of hundred pixels apart. Yes, you're right. Yeah, if you go up to the uh, screen. Well, how are things? Things are well. We are looking forward to some more rain tonight. Oh, and, yes. The rain. And enjoying the rain that we've had so far. Yeah, Lake Mendocino is actually starting to look a little more like a puddle than a like a lake. <laughs> oh yeah, than, a, yeah. than a, mud, a mud flat. No, it's good. It's good that the uh, Mother Nature is favoring us with her bounty, like rain. May it last and last and last. May it last yeah. so long that we get tired of it and long for sunny days again. I know, I know <laughs> that that feeling of is this rain ever going to stop? And then you think, well, well, no, we really, really I, need the rain. I, I didn't. I didn't mean it. I was only fooling. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so how are things with you? Have you bought any new Macs lately? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of drooling over those new MacBook Pros. They're getting fantastic reviews. These are the ones with the M1 Pro and M1 Max. Max. Yeah. Apple silicon chips that are providing this just kind of neck-snapping degree of performance and amazing yeah. new plays and all the rest and they're getting like i said they're getting really good reviews and the theme that i've noticed in so many of the reviews is that it's kind of like a back to the future era of the macbook pros they're bulkier because they've got more gear they've got more ports in them they have a memory card slot which is great for people who do photography and video work and need to transfer stuff over to their laptops Uh, they have the MagSafe, you know dog proof boy is that ever back to the future (laughs) the dog proof cable charging cable Yes. Cause your laptop to crash to the floor if you trip over it or your dog trips over it. Um, so many of those features. And they have function keys and that track, uh, that, um, oh, I can't uh, remember. Task bar. The task touch bar. bar. Touch, touch bar. Touch track bar. bar. No, it was the that touch bar. Little, it's it just to show how useless it was. We can't even remember what it was called. Even exactly. Down Although it. there are people that love it, and believe it or oh, not, all six of them are are nuts about them. And and the yes, all six of them are nuts. And the um, the refurb, a good way to to um, if you happen to dally in these types of pursuits, a good way to take the temperature of the room is how fast refurbs sell out on the refurb store. Ah. And the older Intel uh, taskbar um, Macs uh, seem to be selling out like hotcakes on the refurb store. You yeah. Know, the, the ones that are, are out of production and maybe just, they just have an inventory of them. Yeah. And um, that I sent you, I texted you an article about the uh, ARM processors on Windows. And when I went back and looked, it's actually a couple of years old. And, um, the uh, John Gruber, the the Mac columnist uh, who follows these things and gives really excellent reviews of of their products, um, was just quoting from the article, and it had to do with traditionally, if you wanted computers that were light and uh, would have long lasting batteries and didn't have to heat up too much, they'd have to be cool and slow. Right. <laughs> and if you wanted a powerhouse, it would have to be fast and hot. 
Um, yeah, it was kind of the, the computer version of that sign that you often see in print shops where it says, fast, good, cheap, pick any two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It would either be small, compact, cheap, but slow, or big, expensive. Yeah. But but um, he was talking about the the the, um, the first attempts to run Windows on ARM processors, which is essentially the. Um, I don't want to bore bore our listeners too much with uh, CPU talk, but there's probably a couple, maybe even six out there that might like to hear about this stuff. Much more people. But apparently, when when they were trying to run Windows on on ARM processors, which is what's in the iPhone and the iPad and a whole lot of other devices. And Apple brought in ARM processors to start uh, uh, improving their um, iPhone line and eventually started designing their own chips, which are the A series, you know, the A13 and all that stuff. And now they, uh, now that they've moved over to the Macs, it's the M series. But um, they were having a lot of trouble getting a, a full Windows installation to run, uh, you know, fast and cool on, on uh, ARM processors. And Gruber's comment about the uh, the new M1, especially the Pro and the Max, is it's like having your cake and eating it twice. <laughs> because they have long battery life, they run really, really just unbelievably fast, and, and they run cool. It's just an amazing uh, accomplishment. But about 10 or 11 years ago, Apple bought a, a PC... Um, uh, a silicon design company and i guess their lead engineer is now the one who's kind of behind this uh improvement of apple's um what do they call it apple silicon computer yeah. on, and computer on a chip and we've talked that, about that before it just has the whole what you would normally have in eight or ten or fifteen different components spread around the chassis of a of a traditional um Windows PC, you know, the memory, the hard drive, blah, 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 everything, the graphics card. It's all on one little piece of silicon that's just using amazingly a t microscopic to the point where they measure them in nanometers, which is what, a billionth or a trillionth of a meter, something like that. Billionth of a meter. Yeah. And, and packing 30 to 50 billion transistors on a chip. Just kind of insane. It is insane. I don't know how they physically actually do it, but somehow they do. And when you do that... Uh, tiny soldering irons. Yes, little tiny they have <laughs> They have fleas that have been trained to solder. Really? Miniaturized fleas. Yes, transistors. <laughs> Pygmy fleas are doing the work. Anyway... And now, and, go, yeah, yeah, you were talking about the, the, new, the newest Mac Pro, uh, MacBook Pros. Right. Right, yeah, they're they're um, they're getting generally great reviews. Even our friends at um, at iFixit uh, did the obligatory tear down where they buy the brand new models and um, take them apart to evaluate their repairability. Even they had generally good things about repairability in terms of the ability to replace the battery, yeah. um, to replace the screen, even the keyboard things that you know typically don't need to be replaced the battery chances are well not chances are but you may over the life of a uh, of a laptop need to replace the battery and in some older um, uh, Apple laptops depending on the model it can be relatively painless or really painful yes and they had nice things to say about the new, new MacBook Pros so um, and and now just in the last couple of days um, I've been seeing articles um the rumor mills are starting to heat up about a new 27 inch 
iMac. Yes, yes. That's the one you're going to buy, right? <laughs> that's the one that I'm going <laughs> to lust for anyway. Yes. Whether I'll buy it or not, we'll see how the bank account permits. Yeah. But, um, but the, the rumor mills are basically uh, talking about putting that kind of horsepower that the new PowerBooks or PowerBooks, MacBook Pros are providing. We didn't go that far back to the future, John. Yeah, no, it's not that far back. Um, the uh, the um, kind of performance and 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 oomph that the new MacBook Pros are providing, but in a 27-inch screen form factor of an iMac. Right, and it might even turn out that that 27-inch screen, if you actually took a tape to measure to it, might be as big as actually 32 inches because. In the space of a 27-inch iMac, now with the new uh, slimmed-down bezels and all the other stuff they've done with the screen, I mean, the newest iMac that came out that's now in the stores is a 24-inch iMac, and I guess it's about the same equivalent form factor as the old 21-and-a-half-inch iMac. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're actually cramming more screen into the same size computer. Yeah, and the, one of the rumor articles I saw said that, uh, you know, don't expect it until 2022, which is, of course, only you know, 60 days or so away. Um, but, um, but that's, that's certainly something to watch. You know, in the meantime, and the, on the, in the Apple line, one of the best deals that for, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, power to price to performance ratio, um, are, in the in the laptop world, the 13-inch um, uh, MacBook Pro, which has the M1 Apple Silicon chip, and the for a desktop machine, the Mac Mini. I know a photographer in San Francisco who used to have one of the you know trash can Mac Pro yeah. um, computers, which they sold, I think, about 17 of. Um, his main computer now, day in and day out computer, and this is a guy who works with giant files and uses Photoshop and Lightroom all the time is a Mac mini. That's how much punch that the Mac mini provides. And that's like a $699, $799. Well, that's the entry level. <laughs> Chances are your friend didn't buy an entry level mini. <laughs> he, well, I mean, they don't go up that much higher than that. I mean, eight, there's eight or 16 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Uh, the speed. And that's the really interesting thing. This is kind of really leveled the playing field for, for these. I mean, it used to be that you could get your $1,500 laptop or your $2,500 laptop or your $4,500 laptop and they would be faster and, and, you know, breathe more fire out their exhaust ports and stuff like that. But now basically they all run the same and, you can have uh, more graphics power, more RAM, so that you can do run more programs at a single time, or more storage, and that's where they—that's where the price bumps up. But if you get the entry-level machine, it's not going to be crippled and slowed down like they used to do. They even used to put in chips that had portions of them blocked off from the higher-priced computers. They were essentially the same die, the same thing came out of the chip machine. But they would snip a couple wires to slow them down and sell those as the entry level machines. But that's yeah. You know. And where you're seeing the differences now is while on the more expensive laptops, the screen is much nicer, um, you know, or maybe there's some uh, additional ports, or the battery life is bigger, the battery is bigger, the screen is bigger. So um, it's true across the product line. Um, the performance delta, the difference between the low end and the high end in terms of performance is narrower 
generally, although, you know, those, those M1 Max chips are just kind of like, they're like a cray on a chip. They're just insane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but by and large, um, even the least expensive machine you can get is still really a capable machine, capable of doing stuff like video editing and digital photography work. Um, but where the price differences lie are in the, um, and those goodies, the quality of the screen, the size sure. of the screen, things like that. It's almost a little bit like cars where, you know, uh, you know, you might, uh, you might, you know, they can all go to the speed limit, but some have nicer interiors or nicer sound systems or four seats instead of two or yeah, eight or, seats instead of two or whatever. Or get um, up to the speed limit in one third of the time. <laughs> <laughs> or, or that. Yeah. So, yeah. So obviously we will continue covering all of that and, um, and, and, and all that. We also want to talk about, um, some other, um, computer industry and tech related news tonight. And we want to go to the phones early because um, we often want to take, we want to, we want to hear from our listeners. If you've got questions or mm-hmm. comments, um, especially if you tried one of our tips and have anything to report back, we love it when people yeah. follow, follow up on the, on the stuff we, uh, we uh, mention on the show. And especially if it's something that um, a caller comes in and, and talks about and other listeners pick up on it and, you know, just spread the good word around. Yeah. You were talking about Facebook uh, before we went on air, and I, I did watch the, um, I don't even know if we covered this on the show two weeks ago, but I did watch the um, the so-called Facebook whistleblower who may have been. We did, yeah, we did talk about her. Doing a little academic research. But the um, the outcome of her testimony seems to keep reverberating around the, uh, Around the metaverse, I guess. Well, there, there was such a huge dump of documents um, that the um, the consortium of some forty or fifty yes. newspapers um, and other news sources are just continuing to explore all of the uh, this, this trove of of internal research and documents that she released um, that. There are going to be stories coming out on a regular basis yeah. as they discover new stuff. I think I'm not sure if we talked about the one two weeks ago where um, they were uh, some internal documents showed. You know, all of the social networks have ranking algorithms that decide what posts to promote. When you go to Facebook, there's an algorithm. There's software behind the scenes running in Mark Zuckerberg's basement that decide what posts you're going to see based on who your friends are and the kinds of things you have clicked um, and responded to and engaged with, they say, um, in, in the past. And it was revealed that Facebook weighted more heavily posts that had the anger icon associated with it, uh-huh. as that made people mad, as opposed to things that people went ha-ha over, or people that give the thumbs up arrow, like uh, the like icon. Do they actually have an angry icon on Facebook? Can you... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My, oh, Facebook, did... my Facebook avoiding friend. <laughs> oh, I did not <laughs> know that. Every post on Facebook, you can uh, assign four or five different reactions to, from a simple like to a... Uh, a teary eye that you might, you know, share with someone who, you know, has some sad news uh-huh. that they've reported. 
um, a wow, kind of a mouth, uh, a, oh, an open mouth, you know, yeah. wow exclamation to an anger icon, which people often will use to register their displeasure about political posts or things that there are controversial. Well, Facebook's algorithm weights the anger reaction five times higher than a simple like. So in other words, because they know, because their data shows them that more people engage with posts that make them angry. So talk about nasty. There is a site that is deliberately trying to incite the anger of their members because people stay on the website longer. And then and then promote ads. once people get angry they try to promote that and, and spread that anger around just to like yep. you say to to uh, prolong the engagement of of the users. I didn't know they actually so in a way the 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 uh, members of Facebook are doing some of the work for them by clicking on that angry icon. They're doing 90% of the work. Sure, an algorithm a a, a ranking algorithm can't decide what you're going to engage with unless you've engaged with other things so it's just all part of that process of building up the storehouse of knowledge about the visitors who use the site yeah uh, what things you react to what what other um members that you engage with what groups you engage with whether you like things whether you whether you expressed anger over them um, there's a love icon, there's a little heart icon, but thanks to, and I'm forgetting her name, the whistleblowers, um, one of the documents that she leaked, we know now that Facebook's engagement algorithm gives five times the amount of weight to the anger reaction than it does to a simple like. Wow. That's nasty. It is. I, th I thought, um, I thought that all the, you know, the big thumb up icon that's uh, so synonymous with Facebook, the like icon. I thought that was that was it. I thought you either liked or didn't, or withheld your like. You know, there's lots of other things uh, you can respond to. Yeah. Well, anyway, in in the two weeks, uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, got up and had a big uh, rollout for. They've rebranded their their corporate entity from Facebook to Meta. Meta. M E T A. Yeah. And um, it's kind of a little bit like what Google did several years ago when Google is still Google and Google.com is still Google.com. Right. But it's now part of a larger umbrella um, company called Alphabet. And that's much the same with Facebook, where Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp are going to continue to exist as Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Yeah. But they're from this larger company called Meta. So they're now under the corporate umbrella, and they've also, like Google, have taken a word they should just left their hands off of. Um, yes. I think the alphabet belongs to humanity, you know, or at least the uh, um, part of humanity that uses phonetic writing for their right. for their means of communication. What yes. you call an alphabet or something else in Meta? I mean, you know, I'm Meta puzzled over their Meta flopping over. How well, and, and meta uh, abuse people in the meta future, and many people have also commented on the fact that meta in Hebrew means dead. Oh, so, well, geez. <laughs> oops, a little bit like Chevrolet um, calling your car the Nova. Nova. 
selling it in Spanish speaking. <laughs> Where it means won't go. <laughs> exactly. So, oops. Well, hmm. one, one, an article in The Guardian said grave error. <laughs> grave. Oh, there you go. It's <laughs> new name means dead in Hebrew. So, yeah, whatever. Um, you can call them whatever they call them. You call them whatever you like, but um, they are still a... A, a scourge in our opinion and we should note that those opinions are those of bob and jim and not necessarily those of kzyx and the management and mendocino county public broadcasting and all that stuff and the board of directors yes and them too and and and, and them too yeah and, and the thing is that this um this business about engagement and angry and stuff, it just, it, it's kind of the bulk of what's going on that makes people upset. But there are little, little tiny streaks of these horrible things that happen. Like, for example, people are using Facebook platform to sell people into slavery. And it's yeah. happening, especially like in countries that don't just use plain old English for their communication. Maybe they use like Arabic and Arabic text, which they can use on their Facebook account. But Facebook, how is Facebook going to have enough um, content monitors to to stay on top of something like this? Yeah, they they don't. They can't. And, well, they and, do as soon as somebody points it out to them, but they don't really aggressively pursue it on their own. No. No. Meanwhile, um, just just uh, today, no, yesterday, um, Facebook announced that um, wanting to wanting to do the right thing, wanting to quote find the right balance with technology. <laughs> yeah. uh, Facebook says that they were de- they are deleting the face scan data of more than one billion users. Yeah. Uh, did you know that Facebook had a facial recognition system? Well, yeah, it's. 10 years old this month. Well, um, my Guardian headline would be saving face, question mark. <laughs> I like that. Um, and this feature, quote unquote, has been used to um, you know, supposedly make it easy for us Facebook users to be able to tag uh, to for us to be tagged in people's photos, where um, Facebook's algorithm can identify that uh, that that Jim is in a photo, and therefore assign the tag Jim to it, so that if you um, if you if people go searching for photos of me, um, they can find them. And that's something that you can turn off deep in the settings of the uh, the privacy settings in Facebook. Um, but uh, a good many people have not tens of millions of people in fact don't tell me it's on by default yeah, well what do you know <laughs> what, yeah. a, what a concept yeah but yesterday um the uh vice president of artificial intelligence at meta said in a blog post that the social network was making the change because quote many concerns about the place of facial recognition technology in society aha uh-huh. Um, quote, every new technology brings with it potential for both benefit and concern. <laughs> they should know. That was me, not them talking. Quote, and we want to find the right balance. Uh, this is a feature that was introduced in December of 2010 that would allow, uh, as I said, the, uh, the software to automatically identify people who appeared in users' digital photo albums and suggest that users tag them by link which then linked their accounts to those images 
Facebook is now, and I'm reading here from a New York Times article, Facebook now has built one of the largest repositories of digital photos in the world, partly thanks to this software. And there have been many stories of misuse. Um, in China, authorities use the capabilities to track and control the largely Muslim minority, the, ooh, I'm not going to pronounce it right. We- Uyghur. Yes, thank you. Uyghur. Um, and uh, in the United States, law enforcement has turned to the software to aid policing, leading to fears of overreach and mistaken arrests. Some cities and states have banned or limited the technology, and now Facebook says that um, they are going to be uh, disabling that feature and deleting that data. They're going to save. They're going to free up a lot of hard drive space. Uh, they <laughs> absolutely are. Boy, look for the hard drive prices to go down when they go on them when they sell the used ones. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if that's actually going to happen, or if they're going to if that data is somehow going to go slipping off into some unknown realm, like the data that led to the Cambridge Analytica scandal did. That was exactly. all Facebook data that somebody had packaged and was actually selling. Actually, Facebook, I think, was selling that data for a while and then went, "Oops." Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, you know, when you when you have a reputation that is as soiled as Facebook's is, it gets harder and harder to believe the stuff that they say. Um, you know, um, again, from this New York Times article yesterday, um, in 2019, the Federal Trade Commission fined Facebook a record five billion dollars to settle a variety of privacy complaints. And last year, Facebook agreed to pay $650 million to settle a class action suit in Illinois that accused Facebook of violating a state law that requires residents' consent to use their biometric information, including their, quote, face geometry, unquote. Wow. So it's, you know, I mean... Well, they see they've got the, they've got the mutual offenders that it gets kind of hard to hard to hard to take them at Facebook value. Well, yes, but you know when big um, chemical companies pollute, they pay fines and then you just keep on going. That's part of their business plan, you know. They, got that. Nobody goes to jail for these things. They're probably able to deduct them on their taxes. Well, that's the other thing. They can, yeah, they can write them, write their fines off as a business expense. So it's just, it's, you know, Facebook isn't unique in, in that particular situation where you just pay a fine and go on your merry way. Yeah. Um, something has to change to make those, uh, real serious no nos in, in society. And yeah. it better happen quick because, uh, if it doesn't happen soon enough, the global warming is going to, Get to, get to the head of the curve, and we're going to burn up before we uh, destroy everything else. <laughs> those, under, those underwater data centers are going to heat yeah, up. Yeah, I know. Let's open the phones. It's almost okay. 7.30, and you're tuned to KZYX Philo, KZYZ, Willits, and Ukiah. This is Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. Point-and-click radio, the bi-weekly computer show with Jim and Bob uh, talking about Max, Facebook. And we had one other topic that I was hoping to get to. If we don't get into a lot of uh, detail, I just want to recommend this one um, article I discovered on PC Mag. It's there at PCMag.com. The author is Eric Griffin. And the headline just stopped me in my tracks. How to completely disappear from the Internet. <laughs> and it's what I like about the article. It, it, it's written in kind of an upbeat manner, but... Um, 
he talks about how to seriously plug some of these holes and stop some of these problems, and I really learned some stuff. The first point he comes up with after his introduction about why it's a good idea to go ahead and plug these holes is become a fan of the burner. Burner phones. People don't think about burner phones, but there's a lot of times when it might be a good idea to not just be lugging around your smartphone. Um, and he says, if you want to be anonymous, just forget about using a smartphone yeah. um you know uh the uh big name makers like apple and google who provide phones um are uh recording everything where you move to where you uh shop you know where you pay where you go watch uh you know t- tv movies and stuff like that but with burners it's the guy says as you've seen in the movies you can always throw the phone into a passing truck and lead whoever might be tracking you on a wild goose chase that's right exactly but anyway there's a lot of other points in the article uh but i would recommend people go ahead and and check it out in your own time if you um if you want to see what uh eric has to recommend it's pcmag.com all one long set of initials pcmag.com uh and the article is how to completely disappear from the internet the one the other one that oh i learned why um tor you've heard of tor jim uh, Tor, yes, the kind of separate, um, more private internet. I never knew why it was called Tor, but it was originally the project was called the Onion Router, and it meant that just like layers and layers of an onion, their router had layers and layers of, of protection to keep you anonymized. So that's where Tor came from. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, I just I just did one. What I will often do is I like try to come up with a easy to remember um web search to find that article that that really excellent article um and if you go to the search engine of your choice and search for pc mag it's pc magazine so pc mag space disappear oh there you go and that brings it right up to the top and that will be the very top um uh, search result pc mag disappear oh good and um and and you know on the subject of burners and uh, you know anonymous anonymizing um your smartphone use um the article also points out that there are some apps for iOS and Android phones that will give you temporary anonymous numbers Ooh. and one of them is called burner <laughs> oh. an app called burner so they have an app for that so you could turn <laughs> turn your smartphone into a burner <laughs> they have they have the, the they have yeah, exactly and um and it's a great article they talk about using incognito mode or, or private uh browsing mode which um it blocks um trackers and cookies and things like that um and there's some of the stuff that they suggest is maybe a little bit extreme like disabling javascript on your on your browser which could cause a lot of websites to not work yeah um but it's definitely worth a read. It's it's worth and and ultimately the the <laughs> the, the bottom line is the sentence right near the beginning. The um, um, wait a minute, where is it? Uh, you know, ultimately the only way to stay truly anonymous online is not to go online at all. Right. So there is that, um, but you can definitely take steps to improve your privacy when you're using a. Uh, a, a mobile phone or when you're web browsing in this article, how to stay completely anonymous 
on or how to completely disappear from the internet is uh, is is a good one. It's it's a good it's a good primer on the various techniques that you can employ. It also helps break down some of the more uh, technically complicated things, like um, you know uh, proxies, firewalls, VPNs, which is a yeah. virtual private network. All those kinds of things that might be a little intimidating for the average you know person who surfs reads their email and watches netflix on their on their machine uh there's right. a lot of stuff um you can learn about uh that that you can get started uh implementing to to protect yourself yeah one interesting thing that the the article talks about uh, a browser a free browser extension that um for some reason, I thought it was brand new because I had not heard of it before, but you reminded me prior to the show that we've talked about it on the show before. Um, but it's worth mentioning again because it's been a while since we've talked about it. And it's it's a, a, um, a free browser extension for all the leading browsers, Chrome, Firefox, uh, Safari, Microsoft Edge. Um, actually, it's not available for, I don't think it is available for um, Safari. But anyway, it's called Privacy Badger, like, like the animal, the badger, Privacy Badger, and it blocks trackers and cookies, and it's free, and I've been playing with it, and it's, um, it's, it's not only cool, but it's also scary. When you go to certain websites, I just, in fact, I went to the... Um, the uh, PC Mag website and the um, Privacy Badger extension blocked 47 trackers on that page called <laughs> "How to Stay Anonymous on How to Completely Disappear yeah. from the Internet." So there's an irony for you. Well, Jim, the guys have to eat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have to track me 47 in 47 different ways in order to show me how to completely disappear from the, from the internet. Well, yeah. Um, it's cool because when you go to a website, um, the, the extension, which is, uh, lives up in the, it's, it's easy to install. It's one or two clicks. Just go to EFF.org as in electron, as in electronic frontier front front oh wow electronic frontier foundation you got it yeah and they're a non-profit private organization that's been around almost as long as uh personal computers have been they're kind of the aclu of the digital world Um, a great um great um civil liberties organization around technology um they've created it if you go to eff.org you'll see a little box on the homepage for Privacy Badger. Uh, it's two clicks. We'll install it in your browser. And every time you go to a page, you can see the little the number of trackers that it has blocked. And then you can go and make certain adjustments. You can, you can disable the trackers or the cookies for that site if something happens that it doesn't work. Um, you can fine-tune what it blocks and how it blocks, um, or you can just use it with the standard settings and, um, and, and know that you've taken a small step in, in blocking your tracking across the Internet. We've talked about tracking a lot on the show lately because of that feature that Apple added to um, the, um, its mobile operating systems where you can 
uh, ask an app to not track you. And there's, that's been a controversial thing where Apple, uh, with, where, where, where Facebook was saying, well, you're going to hurt small businesses if you do this. Yeah, and, like they're a small business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be able to, Mark Zuckerberg will be able to buy one fewer tropical island. Yeah. Um, the thing about the um, the tracking is that a lot of those apps sneak their way into your device using these packages of software that have nothing to do with what their basic function is. You know, it's yeah. a small game or a portable electronic thing that lets your phone, phone work as a tape measure or something like that. And they've got these, um, I don't know what you call them, they build little spies into them. And even after you quit the app, they can somehow report back home, phone home, whether you know your your location or what you bought at the Safeway or how fast yeah. you were driving down the freeway or all kinds of things that your phone can now report about you. And it just helps build up this profile. Yeah. Yeah. It's disturbing. And so, as we've talked about before, if you're using an Apple device with the latest operating systems and you get that ask app to not track message, then tap that to say, no, don't track me. And um, I, think, and I think it has to pop up by default. I don't think they can bury it in the preferences or anything like that. I no, think no, really exactly, exactly. It, it, as soon as it, because the, the, the operating system actually detects that you are trying, that it, the, that the app is trying to track you. Um, so, uh, yeah, it pops up automatically. You don't have to work your way into the settings or anything like that. But you should also, if you have a desktop or a laptop um, machine, you should also be thinking about tracking when you're surfing there, too. And that's what extensions like um, like, uh, like um, Privacy Badger from EFF uh, will I'll let you do. Yeah. 8952448 are the phones. We haven't gotten anybody on the phone yet but uh, we're open to calls if you have any questions comments or want to report back on uh, things that have worked for you we've had people calling up recently wanting to know how they can move stuff off their old computers onto their new ones we've had people calling up about oh the ever-present uh question in mendocino county and and uh, environs is uh, you know how to get faster internet and yeah we've had some um well, we haven't talked about the uh, what's the new system you have from uh, Starlink. Starlink. Well, well, we have we have further reach the uh, you know the wireless internet provider, um, but we're also using um, the Starlink system, which is the satellite based system from uh, from SpaceX that um, has caused you know a lot of understandable con controversy because it involves thousands of low Earth orbiting satellites that um, that have some impact on ground-based astronomy for example and um, but what I can tell you is that it works really 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 well um, it is fast uh, it's been very reliable it's still technically in their beta phase what they call beta, beta than nothing beta than uh, nothing okay it's, there's there were rumors that it was going to go out of beta and into mainstream use um, you know not beta level um, last month. To my knowledge, that has not happened. Are they but, still letting uh, people sign up? You can still sign up. Um, the I believe that there is a um, waiting list for them, and there's a I think a long waiting list for even people who have already signed up for uh -huh. the um, for the um, the beta program. Yeah, but. Um, 
it, you can you can you can check them out at starlink.com you know i always recommend if you are able to um support a local provider if you can get fast internet from uh the likes of um mcn or pacific internet or um will it's online or um or further reach do that support your local businesses and you're also more likely to get better support from them um, but a lot of people in this part of the world can't get high-speed internet from any of the above because this is an area that is geographically dispersed and there are a lot of people living down a variety of of, of, of dirt roads where um, those kinds of providers um, don't yet provide service in or cases get, like that yeah, Starlink or, is a really viable alternative yeah or like in your case get both <laughs> you know have it as a backup <laughs> well yes well you know i mean my wife and i both work for internet companies and if we go down we are out of business so yeah. we have to have um we have to have that 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 level of of redundancy yeah but um now with the starlink i can't remember i think you said that the the uh the um low orbit satellites that provide the the uh, signal are are, are, did, are they to the north do you need to have a clear north view in general you have to have a clear-ish view to the north and the starlink app which you can download for a for um uh, apple or android mobile devices has a really cool feature that lets you check for obstructions before you even attempt to order it um, it'll use your camera in this kind of augmented reality mode where you grant it access to your camera and then you go outside and you point things around and aim your phone around and it will point out um hey there's a there's a barn in the way um or there are trees in the way that sort of thing if like so many people in this part of the world you live in 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 a in a tree hole you know you live in the woods and the land is cleared around your house but not much more than that um you might not be able to get starlink service but if you're in a more open location or you can create a more open uh, window into the uh into the northern sky then um then you stand a pretty good chance yeah or at least better chance i have the app up on my phone which is an iphone it says starlink from spacex there's lots of things with starlink in the name but starlink from spacex is the app and the first screen says check for obstructions so there it is there it is yeah, yeah. that's good yeah it's um it's uh it's worth it's worth you know it's worth looking at it's it's a viable alternative for people in uh in rural areas which is actually primarily what it's designed for um the way that the whole network is designed it is really intended for rural areas um as opposed to urban areas it doesn't really work in urban areas now something else that they're exploring and i think you'll be seeing in the in the in the in the years to come is that they will also be providing high-speed internet to airlines and wow. if you have flown and try to use the in-flight internet you know just how bad it can be um, because that is satellite internet too but it's a whole kind of different kind of um satellite internet 
and that could be a real game changer. So um, it's 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 interesting. It's definitely a technology worth uh, worth worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's a good deal. Eight nine five two four four eight are the phone numbers. Is the phone number if you want to give us a buzz. Ask a question, make a comment. Um, the phones are open, and we've got about 15 minutes left in this edition of Point and Click Radio. You know, the new um, operating systems, speaking of Apple, uh, are out now for both the mobile and the desktop devices. Um, iOS 15, iPad OS 15 are, um, are out for you iPhone and iPad users. And on the Mac side, the um, Mac OS Monterey uh, became available just within the last week or so. And as we often recommend, especially with Monterey, especially with the desktop opera- uh, operating systems, it's probably smart to wait a week or two, a month or so, a little while <laughs> to just kind of take the temperature of the street to see if it's looking like um, there are bugs, there are compatibility issues. We always recommend a kind of don't be the first person on your block to install an operating system upgrade. Um, iOS 15 is getting generally really good reports. I know my wife upgraded her phone to iOS, <clears throat> excuse me, iOS 15.1 which is a new version that also lets you add your vaccination record to the um, to the to the Apple Wallet tool. Um, you know, as more and more places require proof of vaccination, um, this ability to just point your phone at um, a either a scanning device or the person who's checking. Uh, to show your vaccination record is a potentially really useful thing. So. Um, iOS 15 has a billion other features, of course, but um, my wife installed it on her uh, on her machine and uh, on her phone. I mean, without any difficulty, and she's uh, and 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 it's working really well for her. Monterey, we're going to take a slower, more cautious approach on. Um, you may recall frequent listeners to the show um, several months ago. I attempted to upgrade my iMac to Big Sur, which was the current um, operating system at the time, and I bricked, I bricked my iMac. It just plain stopped working. And I went through a good full day recovery ordeal, which involved erasing its hard drive reinstalling the original operating system that came with it using this weird internet recovery mode that the Mac provides, then upgrading to a more recent operating system. I think the one that is that is running now is Mojave on this particular Mac. And then restoring the contents of the hard drive from a time machine backup. And then, <laughs> and then using the cloud backup service I use called iDrive to recover a few files that were not on my time machine backup because I hadn't made a time machine backup in a few weeks. So don't drive like my brother likes the, like they like them, like the, like the guys say, um, for one thing, 
keep a very current backup of your of your of your drive, whether you use Time Machine or a cloud service or um, an app. There's a there's a really nice um, program my wife is using now called Carbon Copy Cloner to uh, to do to do a local backup of her Mac, um, and do a little research before you upgrade to make sure that there aren't issues. What it turned out to be in my case was that installing Big Sur on Macs that have the Apple Fusion drives in them, which is what my iMac has, can often cause problems, to put it mildly. And that was yeah. the that issue that I ran into. Um, but I uh, can't overstate the importance of backing up. And when it comes to installing those new operating systems, uh, wait a little while, take the temperature of the room, See what kind of bugs there might be, what kinds of issues there are. Make sure that the apps that you rely on also work on those operating systems. Um, and then one last thing that I did not do. When Jim, I hang on. I want to see if we have an actual live caller. We're, we've been having a little bit of phone problem that I'm trying to solve. So the app that you rely on. Hi, can, caller, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hey. Wow, we've, hey, got, we've got phones. Hi, Jim. Hi, Bob. I'm sorry. Um, we were having a problem, and people were calling in, and I noticed that, but um, the lights weren't flashing on the phone. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to call in for a while, and, and it wasn't working. It's working now? Yeah. Jamie, I recognize yeah, I your voice. Hi. You're on the well, air. Finally I get, yeah, I get a chance to call in, because uh, this is one of those Wednesdays when I'm only doing the 9 to 10 o'clock, and I pre-produced my show tonight, so I have a little time. So... Um, I finally bit the bullet and got a new iPad. My old one was, you know, it was at the bottom of the list for, you know, making the latest updates, and so I did it. So anyway, a couple of questions. Um, you know, I I don't like to use iCloud, so my backup strategy has been to have uh, an external drive, a local external drive that I keep elsewhere. But I also I was thought I was being really what I was doing was I was uh, using iTunes on my older MacBook to back up my iPad, my old iPad. And I figured, well, and then I was backing that up, my whole MacBook, to a separate external drive. And so I thought, well, okay, so I'll have a backup because I was just, you know, I had a backup of everything that was on my MacBook. And the backup of my iPad was on that. Right. But then okay. I realized, you know, getting from my old MacBook to my back, you know, anyway, it wasn't a good strategy because, you know, I have to figure out some other thing. So you might comment on that, but I have another thing I would like you well, to Well, let me give you, let me, let me, for the benefit of you and our audience, let me give you the answer to your problem. There is no more iTunes anyway. Going forward, you won't be able to back up yeah, iPads to iTunes because iTunes is history now. But I've been using the product called iMazing. Um, uh, it's at iMazing.com and it works on Mac or PCs. So even PC owners can back up iPads and um, iPhones to a PC which is a great advantage, but it's so much more flexible. Um, it's just only made for, for managing all your, uh, your small uh, portable iDevices like iPhones, iPads, iPod Touch, and it lets you do full backups, encrypted backups, partial backups. It lets you change the, the arrangement of the icons on the screens. It lets you do just an amazing assortment 
of of dedicated operations to managing those devices, and I think you would really like it. It's, so, it's very easy so, to use. So do you think that I would be able to um, back it up on some of my older uh, Mac products uh, using that? Like, well, well, you you know, s- the, new iPad, the new iPad has a USB-C connection. Sure. You want to get a USB-C to, to USB normal connector and start out backing it up to your to your MacBook, and, and then iMazing would be the 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 app that you would use to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, and it backs up to your hard drive space on your laptop, which is the fastest way to do it. And then when you do your incremental backups of your laptop, it'll capture the iMazing backup and and make a a backup uh, of your backup. Okay, all right, and, and you could also use it for. Uh, putting it into an external drive, I guess. Yeah, you can do all that. So that that's my, my other question is so can I so now you know with, with this new iPad you can uh, plug it into an external device and move files from an external device into it. That that's a new that's a cool thing about the new iPad. Yeah. Can you can you use that to set up to you know back up? Your iPad directly to an external device, or no? Because the iMazing has to run on a uh, a regular computer. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Oh, so it's, you would load it on the computer? Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, that's. I'm sorry, I, it wasn't clear when I started, but oh. it, yeah, it's not a device. It's not a program you put on your device like iPad or iPhone. You install it on a Mac uh, or a PC. Uh, ah, des- desktop or laptop, but um, something I just got recently is a US is it's a dual uh, format um, connector uh, flash drive. On one end of the drive, it's got a USB C, and on the other end, it's got a regular USB A, the big USB, and you can load load data on it from your computer. Oh. Onto the uh, you onto the flash drive, and then use the USB C and transfer it onto your iP- iPad or versa, vice versa. It's a handy device. Slicko. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's cool information. Amazing. I'll check it out. But let me just throw out this other thing. I'd like you, maybe not tonight, but something. I would like a, a tutorial on the whole this whole new file uh, app on the new iOS systems, it's really confusing. And, you know, I kind of think I know my way around Macs pretty well, but, you know, you know where things are at and whether they're actually downloaded or they're referring to some other app and blah, 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 you know, how it actually, a tutorial on that whole thing, because it looks really useful, but it's really hard to understand how it all works. So, I'd really appreciate some kind of tutorial on that. <laughs> yeah. and I think I'll get off the phone because I've been on there long enough. And uh, thanks a lot for all your... Yeah, Jamie, quickly, if you, um, if you go to the search engine of your choice and search for iPad Files Tutorial, um, the website Apple's Insider actually created a pretty nice little YouTube tutorial. Um, there's a bunch of uh, there's an Apple support articles there too, but uh, the the, uh, the 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 search engine query iPad files tutorial. Well, uh, will you get iPad that? files tutorial? Let me write that down. But you're right. It is not. It is not. It is not necessarily self-evident how how you use it and yeah, where this stuff actually it's, lives. No, and you know, when you use an app, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's referring back to the files app, and it's you know, it's not the way we 
you know, grown up. Well, no, Jamie, to, um, to, to um, my take on the, the files and file management on the iPad and the iPhone is to quote, quote Gertrude Stein or paraphrase, paraphrase Gertrude Stein. There's no there there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know? Well, you know, I kind of think it's a little bit like the, the finder on a mat, on an iMac. I mean, yeah. It's, it's kind of like that, but it's, you know. Would you say that again, Jim? iPad. iPad. Files. Files. Tutorial. Yeah. And it's a YouTube video from who was the YouTube video uh, from from Apple Insider. There's a there's a um, there's a there's a tutorial there. There's also an Apple um, uh, support article that has more details on it. So um, it's actually a pretty nice. Apple, the, the Apple tutorial is also pretty nice. Yeah, I've actually looked at that, and I, I kind of vaguely understand it, but um, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll check that out. Thanks a lot. Vaguely, vaguely is the operative word. Vaguely, yes. <laughs> Here's my okay. Thanks a lot. Catch you later. Thanks, Jamie. Okay. I think we've run out of time. We don't have time to squeeze anybody in. And the uh, the uh, robot at the station is going to yank us off the air at exactly 8.00. So. <laughs> well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with couple more of, of weeks. madness. And hey, I, I have a quick what? little thing here. Um, Apple originated podcasts, although they didn't come up with the, com- the concept or the they, term. Bas- they basically they didn't come up with the concept or the term, but they ma- basically enabled it. They were the platform that allowed podcasts to become podcasts, and that was right after the first iPod came out. People started, uh, you know, uh, promoting uh, podcasts and and de- developing them, and then iTunes facilitated managing them. But now Apple has finally debuted an original podcast from yeah. Apple, and it's called Hooked. And it's a, a podcast series that they have that um, are coming. It's coming out every Wednesday, and I guess it's based on true crime or something like that. Yes, yes, yeah. Those true true crime uh, podcasts are popular these days, and Apple's gotten into the game now too with, the, with their own original. Yeah. Anyway, congratulations, Apple, for finally coming out with a podcast after you made it all possible. <laughs> We're about out of time. Only twenty years later. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot, Jim. Good night, everybody. Until next time. All right, take care. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.